Groucho Marx used to tell a story about how he was walking down the street one day and a priest ran up to him and said, Mr. Marx, I just want to thank you for bringing so much joy into the world. And his famous eyebrows went up and he replied, and I want to thank you, Father, for taking so much joy out of it. It's a sad joke, really. At least it's a sad world when we think of priests as being gloomy and joyless. You would think that a priest, of all people, would be singing and laughing every day from the sheer pleasure of living in the joy of Christ. But instead, we clergy have developed a reputation for gloom and doom, in part, I'm sure, because of days like today, Ash Wednesday. Some say that the true purpose of religion is to prepare us for death. Well, if that's true, then this service goes to the heart of what it means to be religious. Because here today, we rehearse our deaths. In a world in which death is denied and covered up, in a world of anti-aging creams and perpetually youthful celebrities, of plastic surgery and hair dyes and sports regimens and special diets and medical interventions, the priest is the buzzkill at the party who stands up and says out loud, well, we would really rather keep quiet that we are dust and to dust we shall return. This makes us about as popular as a teetotaler at a frat party. Some clergy want to have it both ways, of course, like the priest in the old cartoon who stood before his very affluent congregation and said, you are dust, but a very high quality sort of dust. The truth is that we don't need to live in denial of death, nor do we need to be dismal about it because with a little practice, we can greet sister death with good cheer as we would a long lost friend. There doesn't need to be anything gloomy about making friends with death. Jesus himself counseled us not to be gloomy. Whenever you fast, he said, do not look dismal like the hypocrites. I can just see Jesus smiling and shaking his head as he savored the shows of piety that were paraded in front of him because nothing could be further from genuine piety than public displays of it. And nothing is funnier, really, especially when those displays just make you look miserable. On this issue, at least, Jesus and Groucho had much in common. Which brings us to the subject of ashes. Usually on Ash Wednesday, we address the very important question of whether one should wash off their ashes upon leaving the church. Or should we keep them on so that throughout our day, complete strangers are coming up to us and saying, hey, you've got a little smudge on your forehead. Personally, I think it's a lot of fun to leave the ashes on so you can reply with a serene self-righteousness, yes, I know. These are ashes. Today is Ash Wednesday. I went to church this morning. <laughs> By the way, you've got a little crumb in your beard. 
There's no end to the satisfactions of public piety. But today in the year of COVID, we have a different question on our minds, which is this. What are we supposed to even do on Ash Wednesday? If we can't come by the cathedral and have a priest impose ashes on our foreheads, what are we supposed to do? So let's just take a moment to consider the question. First, some of you will have already signed up to visit the cathedral today as part of your Ash Wednesday pilgrimage. If you have, you will find a priest or a deacon in the courtyard imposing ashes on foreheads. If you are one of those perspicacious few who registered in advance for that, well done. Some others of you may have received a packet of consecrated ashes from Canon Charissa, who prepared a bunch of Lent take-home bags for families at the cathedral. If you have, you will have found some prayers and instructions with them for you to use to impose your own ashes. But for most of you, you're probably just sitting at home right now and wondering, what the heck is, what the heck good is Ash Wednesday if I can't even come to the cathedral to get ashed? A few years ago, I was working as a chaplain in a rundown hospital in the Mission District in San Francisco. And Ash Wednesday was the busiest day of the year. We chaplains would go around to all the units of the hospital and announce that we had ashes, and suddenly there'd be a line in front of us, everyone eager to get their ashes. Most of the nurses in that hospital were Roman Catholic from the Philippines, so for them, this was an important cultural and religious ritual. But then there were the folks at the hospital who, to look at them, needed no reminders of their mortality. Homeless men with gangrene from untreated diabetes, drug addicts recovering from an overdose, terminal cancer patients, one patient after another, all of them knowing all too well just how near to death they were. They needed no reminder from me. During my time there, I came to recognize the look on a person's face who's near death. They have a habit of fixing you with their gaze, of grasping your hand tightly. Sometimes they look right through you. Other times, they have a look of deep concentration, like a woman giving birth. There's a fierceness there as they endure pain and as they face their fears. And sometimes, not always, but sometimes, there's also an aspect of incredible joy and composure and gratitude. You can always tell the ones who have made friends with Sister Death and the ones who haven't. The ones who haven't tend to be under the mistaken impression that if they admit to themselves or to anyone that they are dying, they will have signaled to death that they are giving up, and death will then gallop in to overtake them. By the time they're finally willing to admit they're dying, it's too late. They're past the point of being able to repair their broken relationships or to offer a confession or to say, I'm sorry, or I love you to someone who desperately needs to hear it. 
All of which is to say that, you know, the old saying is true. We're born alone and we die alone. And we are the only ones who can take responsibility for how we want to die. No one else can do that for us. It's up to us whether we will leave this world with bitterness or gratitude. It's up to us whether we will live with, whether we will die with love on our lips or complaint. There are, of course, exceptions when death comes swiftly and without warning. But for most of us, we will have plenty of warning. And it's up to us whether our loved ones will be able to say goodbye or not. And so it's also up to you to decide what to do today about Ash Wednesday. You can make it a, a meaningful spiritual exercise. For example, you could find a piece of paper in your house, say, and write down on that piece of paper all the things about your life that you regret. And then you could take a moment to reflect on these things and ask for God's help to learn the lessons your life has taught you and maybe dedicate your Lent to doing something each day to forgive yourself and to reconcile with whomever you need to reconcile with, if you can. Then after a time of prayer, maybe you could burn that piece of paper someplace safe, please. And then maybe you could stir and sift the ashes until they're a fine powder. And then maybe you could take your ashes to a mirror and with your thumb, you could inscribe the ashes onto your forehead while you say these simple words to yourself. You are dust, and to dust you will return. That would be one thing you could do. But don't get me started on all the things you could do today to start your Lent off right. You could make a list of all the people you wish you could talk to, and every day during Lent, you could write an actual letter to them. If some of those people have already died, write the letter anyway. Maybe share it with an understanding friend. Just a couple of ideas that come to mind. I'm sure you can come up with some even better ideas that fit with where you are in your life right now. Use this time to take stock. Don't be like so many people I've seen in the hospital who greet sister death with panic and a shout of, I'm not ready. This is your time to get ready. Use it well. And if you'd like some support in all of this, I have good news. Beginning a week from today, our own Rags Reagan and Leslie Carveth will once again be offering their excellent class entitled Exploring Death and Dying. By the end of that class, you will be ready for death. You can register for that class free of charge by going to our website and looking for the icon for Wednesday at the Commons Lent term. All of which is to say that we cannot be healed if we can't admit that we're sick. We cannot be restored to wholeness if we can't admit that we're broken. We cannot know the power of the resurrection if we cannot face the reality of death. But for now, just take it one step at a time. Pray with us here. Imagine making friends with Sister Death. Trust the process. 
and have a holy Lent. Amen.